Well, good morning, Porch Community. It's good to see you again. I'm a little drier this time. Uh, hey, Alex, where are you? Man, what a great, just wonderful. Just, just so awesome to, to see God moving in people's lives and to see them want to make that, that declaration and that step. And, um, you know, one of the things, sometimes we say this, especially we do it with our, with our youngers, but I didn't ask you guys a question, which I should have, and so I need to be reminded to do this further. But when we um, baptize people, one of the questions we want to ask the community of faith is, will you support Alex on his faith journey? So if you'll do that, let's hear that through your applause again and some amens. If you'll support him on his faith journey. Because that's exactly where, where we all are. We're all on this journey of faith. So again, good morning. I'm glad that you guys are here, whether you're in the auditorium or you're watching us online or you're listening to us later or watching later. Um, however you're connecting, we say this every week, however you're connecting, we're glad you're connecting here with us today. And we hope exactly what Justin just prayed is that we would engage with God and we would see how very much he loves us and wants us to be in relationship with him. This is why we do everything we do. And it's great to have those opportunities to see how God is working through baptism. Um, and so we're just, uh, yeah, I'm just overwhelmed by that. Uh, so we are in this second week of our series called The Gospel According to Genesis. So we're looking at the book of Genesis. It's the first book of the Bible. And we're seeing how the gospel is in Genesis and how Genesis is in the gospel. Last week we were in chapter 1, and you would think, hey, week 2, we're going to be in chapter 2. But no, we're in chapter 3. So go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 3. And while you're doing that, because I know it's really hard to find, um, you never know. It's at the beginning. Um, we want to equip you guys. We want to equip you. That's one of the things that um, we, I think we always thought, but most especially once, you know, last year happened in COVID and everything, and we had to be apart from each other a lot and stuff. We, really, we realized as a staff that we really want to equip you, uh, you know, in your journey, whether you're here or not. And so one of the things, two of the things we're doing um, is that we are making a study guide available every Sunday morning. It goes up on our website of that day's message. So it's on there now. So if, you like, if you're a note taker and you like to read ahead or whatever, you can look that up or and what we want is for you to have that to study later, whether it's individually or preferably like with a group or a couple other people, is to study that later on in the week. So we want to equip you with that and just give you something to use. And then secondly, uh, we started a podcast in the 167 series, the series we just did, and we're continuing it at least through Easter, through the end of this series, and that comes up on Thursday mornings, and we just talk a little bit more in depth and about some other things and so we hope that you will use those because we want to equip you guys. Okay, so um, we're going to be in Genesis 3 this morning. Before we look at 3, I just want to point out, and you can go and read this later, but really it's out of time that we're, we're jumping to 3, is that Genesis chapter 2 could most definitely be described as like the happy chapter of, of the story. It's like um, God just put all this into motion. He set all this in motion. He created Adam and Eve. They're in the garden. And then he's like, hey, you can have the run of this place. I want you to have this. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. You can eat anything here in the garden. Enjoy creation. Enjoy each other. Here you go. Just don't do this one thing. 
and it's don't eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge and good of, of good and evil. Just don't eat that. Everything else, enjoy it. You know, it's just like this beautiful, beautiful thing. Like, here it is. And, and then we find what happens here in Genesis 3. So I'll start in verse 1. It says this, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? So you see how he's being a little, little shady there. And the woman responds in verse 2, Of course we may eat from the trees in the garden, uh, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. And then here comes this lie, verse 4. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. And then something happens here, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more in a moment, but something happens here between the serpent saying this, and then verse 6, the woman was convinced, like something occurred. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it, and she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. So, porch community. <laughs> um, without us comprehending the gravity, because see, we can look at this and go, that's a story, yeah, I've known that story, I've known that story a long time, I had a little book when I was a kid, and I had a little snake talking to Eve, and, and you know, like all that stuff, like, if we don't comprehend the gravity and the sadness, really, of Genesis chapter 3, I don't think we truly grasp the joy and the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like, if we don't truly go, wow, this is what just turned. Like, everything just changed. If we don't grasp this, like, I don't think we, we fully appreciate the power and, and the, the extreme love that we find in the gospel. So what I want to do this morning, and it, this is going to be true of every single uh, book of Genesis that we look at, chapter that we look at, there's so much we could cover. There's so much we could look at. I mean, you could, you could spend a whole series on like one chapter or even just several verses. What I'd like to do is just take out of Genesis 3, because I see where it explains that Jesus, why Jesus had to come. Why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus have to come? Why did God have to come in the form of man? Why did he have to take on flesh? Why did he have to walk among us? Why did he have to look like us and be like us? And, and, and why did all these things, why did he have to die? Why did he have to, to be, did he come back from the dead? Like, why did this happen? Why all these things? And so what I want us to do is I want us to look at what I would say are two vitally important and practical lessons that you and I can take, like right now, today, from Genesis 3, and go, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk this out. Okay, so, so the first lesson that I would like to start with is exactly what Eve just dealt with, <laughs> and it's this. When you are tempted, and I think the whole thing's up there, but let's just 
Let's just stop where the comma is first, right? When you are tempted. Doesn't say if. Doesn't say if you're not paying attention. Like, it's when you're tempted, right? So we, we're tempted. We are all tempted. You've probably already been tempted today. Like, we are tempted. We are, we are, we are fragile people. We are frail people. We are imperfect people. When you are tempted. I want to define temptation real quick. Um, here's the definition I want to give for it. And, and it's this, that temptation is an invitation, because you see the interaction with, with the snake and, and Eve, right? And the snake, of course, being our enemy in the form of a snake. Temptation is an invitation to do what? To meet a God-given need in a non-God-given way. A God-given need, hunger, right? It's a God-given need. I mean, you think about anything that you're tempted by. And we could take it down to like its, its, its base, you know, level. And I would promise you, it is a God-given, it, it's a God-given need. You think, oh, I don't, you don't know some of the stuff I've been tempted by. I'm telling you. It all comes down to, maybe it's, maybe it's, um, um, feeling that, that intimacy with another person. Like you want to be fully known. Um, you know, maybe, maybe it's that you, you want to feel that you are significant, that you do have a place. Now, how you live those out and how those temptations come at you, I mean, who would have thought that some fruit would be the downfall of humanity, right? It, so it's not, it's not about the fruit. It's about the temptation. So temptation is this... It's an invitation to meet a God-given need in a non-God-given way. So that's temptation. So let's go back to what I, what I see as a lesson here in Genesis 3, and it's this. When you are tempted, remember God's goodness. Remember God's goodness. That's the issue that, that Adam and Eve have. I don't know what happened between verse 5 and 6. Something happened. Eve forgot the goodness of God. I mean, she's in the middle of the, the greatest goodness that, that any human on this earth has ever experienced. She is in perfection with God. In his presence, might I add. And, and yet she forgot the goodness. Because see, when you get down to the, the root of what happened during these, ver these seven verses that we're looking at here in Genesis 3... It's, it's really this, is that Satan, the in, our enemy, right, in the form of a snake, what does he do? He lies to them, and he convinces them. It doesn't seem, didn't, didn't seem like it was really that difficult for him to do, but he convinces them to question not whether there was a God. I mean, they know there's God. They've just been created. They've been hanging out with him. Like, they know there's God. You know, sometimes we think that's where, you know, the, the temptation lies. Is oh, is, is God really there? Like, that, no, no, no. It's not whether God exists. It was, hey, is God really good? Does God really have your best interest in mind, or is he looking out for himself? Is God really good? Like, he, he convinces him to question, does God do, I mean, he says, did God really say that in verse 1? Did God really say you can't have anything? Like, he's already starting to sow doubt into her mind. And in verse, verses 4 and 5, he, he attacks the character of God. Again, doesn't question whether he's there or not. God doesn't want you to be like him. 
He wants to be God. He, he you know, you can't, you can't have what, you, you know, he's withholding from you. There's really great things that you go and get to have. He doesn't, he doesn't have your best interests at heart. And he questions the character of God. And isn't, that is, in case you haven't noticed or real thought about it, that's temptation 101 right there. Questioning the goodness of God. Questioning if this is really the best thing for you. You know? Like, sure, God's there, but, but God's holding out on you. Like, you, it seems that everyone else is, is getting the good things, and you're not. You know, it's like, oh, if you, it's, <laughs> if you obey God, that maybe you're going to miss out on some other stuff. Oh, I don't know. If I'm follow, you know, like God's not really that good. And this is the irony. Is, here's the irony of that, of that thinking, is that if you look, there was a rhythm that started to develop in, um, in the creation story. This rhythm developed where God spoke it, it came to be, and then he said, it is good. Spoke it, came to be, it's good. Spoke it, good. Spoke it, it's like good, 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 good. And then enjoy, 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 enjoy. Adam and Eve, enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Like all this rhythm of all goodness. And then suddenly the rhythm changes, right? And the goodness of God is called into question. And so like the, the enemy drops this, this thought in there. And... I read this and I want so much to like read this and go Eve you silly girl <laughs> like you silly silly stupid girl like what are you doing like why Adam why are you standing there like why are you just standing there why aren't you speaking up why aren't you saying something why didn't you both run when the snake came slithering up, like, why didn't at least one of you run? Why didn't one of you grab the other person's arm and say, let's get out of here? Why didn't one of you go, this is not what God said. God said we shouldn't eat this fruit, so we shouldn't eat this fruit. Let's go. Why didn't they do this? And wouldn't it just be great, Forge community, if this was just an Adam and Eve problem and not a human being, you are drawing breath into your lungs and you're alive today problem? Because it is. It is. We're, we're tempted all the time. All the time. And, oh, goodness, talk about, we could t spend a lot of time talking about, like, we could talk so much about the things that tempt us, you know? I, I know Scripture says that I shouldn't canoodle with this person that I'm not married to, but I really, you know, canoodling's kind of fun. And that is a technical term, canoodle. It's in the textbooks, I don't know. Um, you know, I know God. I know God told me not to spend all this money on myself. You know, and to just, just, just like He told me that, like I read His Word, and, and I'm supposed to like share the gifts that I have, and I know I'm supposed to be responsible, and I'm supposed to use them for His glory and His goodness. But here I am. I, I know I'm not supposed to hold a grudge or or be bitter or like to take revenge on somebody. But oh my goodness, it feels so good, right? I mean, these kinds of things. You know, it was fruit for Eve. I, what is it for us? But we are tempted. We're tempted. Temptation's all around us. And the lesson, the vital lesson, is that when we are tempted, we need to remember the goodness of God. 
the goodness of God. He is good to us. And the root lie of the enemy is that if we obey God, we will not truly be happy. What? I mean, that, that's where, that, that there are things that we are going to miss out on if we obey God. That his way is almost like a less than way. And I would just say to that, no, God is the creator. He is creator God. He is a good God. Life is a gift from God. And so you see no greater heartbreaking news in Scripture than you find in Genesis chapter 3 because everything changes with Genesis chapter 3. Everything. Before sin, life was good. And what I mean by that is there was no shame. There was, there was no guilt. There was no regrets. I mean, think about these things. There was no remorse. There was nothing to hide. There was no pain. There was no sickness. There was no death. None of that existed until here in Genesis 3. And that's why I say if we, until we really take in this, we, I don't think we fully appreciate the gospel. I mean, they were in this incredible magnificent environment like being in the presence of God but after sin after that choice right there verses 6 and 7 there came, there came consequences <laughs> consequences um, go and read all of chapter 3 later a couple of consequences we find that thing most of us have heard or read is for, for the woman that, that, that we have these, these pains will be amplified in childbirth and then you know you, so you and it's not just like oh so childbirth will be hard I mean think about like the bigger picture of that like what that means is that there will be uh, some pains every month in your childbearing years okay or pains in the 9 to 10, nine to ten months when you're gestating that child right the pains of raising that child, 18, 19, 20 years, right? And then just the toll that it has on the body. See, before everything perfection, now not so much. Eve didn't have stretch marks. Actually, she probably did. You know, there's consequences for our sin, consequences. I mean, and it really, like, it just starts to go down and down. Like, it, it just is like a ripple effect. Think about it, like, ladies, can you walk and sneeze at the same time? I mean, that's a consequence. I'll let you think about that for a minute. God said consequences. There's going to be consequences. And then he also said, so happy Valentine's Day, by the way, that now there's going to be conflict in where there was perfect harmony in the marriage. There's now going to be conflict. One version says that the consequence on Eve and all women is that our desire will be contrary to our husband's desire. Isn't that the truth? So before, think about it, in the garden, in the presence of God, when there was perfect harmony, when Adam recommended a particular tree to eat from, Eve said, sure, honey, that sounds great. Temptation and sin entered and it muddied the water of harmony. 
So now you've got this, there was harmony between husband and wife, and now wherever the man, you know, suggests like, hey, let's go eat dinner here, the woman's desire is contrary to that for sure. So we've got conflict, and we've got this, these consequences of what transpired right there in Genesis 3. Now, what are the consequences for the man? He was given the responsibility of burdensome toil. That's how it's translated. Burdensome work, like the sweat of your brow, like busting it all the time, to the point like, that it was like necessary for survival type work. Now, we're not so much in a completely agrarian society anymore where that is, where we've got to raise our own food and do all those things, people that do that, and we thank, are thankful for them. But, like, even so, the consequences are, like, what, what you don't see is that there are these kind of consequences, like the psychological, the emotional consequences that you see in so many men, and it's there. It's like this pressure, this tension, this weight upon them, this burden of providing and carrying the responsibility for their families. And see, that wasn't there before. God was the provider. God was the one that made it all available. And now he's given it to Adam, and now it's imperfect. Friends, there are consequences for sin. That's just what I'm trying to say. And those are just some of the examples that we find here in Genesis chapter 3. And it all starts right there, and it continues today. And, and here's the deal. Quite plainly, it, we'll look at this in a moment, but verse 23 of Romans 6 says that the wages of sin is death. So not only was there child, you know, childbearing issues and, and just the, the burden and the, the tension and the weight on, on men and how they're trying to, to bring harmony to their marriage and then provide for their families and all these things, but now death is a consequence. Death is a consequence. Think about this phrase, because we've heard this before, the wages of sin is death. Let's just see. The wages of your work is, uh, you know, you get money. Okay? The wages of sin is death. Yikes. We certainly don't, we don't earn goodness from sin. We don't earn fulfillment from sin. We, we're not more like God when we sin. No, the wages from giving in to temptation and trying to meet a God-given need in a non-God-given way and we sin, the wages for that is death. And that's the ultimate consequence. In verse 19, it says this in Genesis 3, where uh, God is talking to Adam, and he said, he's telling him, you're going to toil, you're going to fight the ground, and then he says, until you return to that ground yourself. So not only are you going to fight this thing, but eventually this thing's going to swallow you up. This thing's going to cover you. Until you return to that ground yourself, dead and buried, you started out as dirt, mm, you'll end up as dirt. The New Living Translation says, For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. This Wednesday night, we're starting the season of Lent, those 40 days leading up to Easter. And we're having a service, we're having an Ash Wednesday service, and we take those ashes and we say those words. We are reminded of our place in this story, post-Genesis 3, that we are from dust, and to dust we will return. And the only hope for us in this process is Jesus. This is why to understand Genesis 3, really to understand it, makes the gospel so, so very important. Where you see the gospel right here in Genesis 3, there is a need for a Savior. 
There's need for redemption. So, so there are consequences for our sin. When we're faced with temptation, we need to remember the goodness of God. That's one lesson. Here's the second lesson I want to give you real quick. When you fail, notice I said when you're tempted. That was not an if or a maybe. It's when. It's going to happen. Same thing here. When you fail, not if or maybe, but like when you fail, do this. Run to the grace of God. Run to the grace of God. And I say that because you see the gospel right here in Genesis. In the last part of verse 8 and verse 9 of Genesis 3, so Adam and Eve have now eaten. Now their eyes have been opened. They do have the knowledge of good and evil. They realize they have sinned. Now they feel shame. Now they're trying to hide. And they are in the midst of hiding. And this is what God says. So they hid from the Lord among the trees, which is really just crazy in and of itself because the creator of the trees is not going to have a problem trying to find Adam and Eve. But, and it says, Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Was God really wondering where Adam was? No. No, God asks the question. He was giving Adam an opportunity to answer. Where are you, Adam? Where are you? I mean, how many times have you been in a moment, or maybe, maybe you've heard someone speaking, or you've been in a Bible study, or you've been worshiping or something, and you've basically heard God say, where are you? Where are you? Where have you been? Why are you hiding? Where are you? That's what God is doing here. Where are you? And listen, this, this kind of just made my mind go, when I was... The rest of the scriptures, so... Genesis 3, verse 10 and on. All the way to Revelation, if you think about it. Are about God seeking after us. All the rest of it is God saying, where are you? Where are you? Because, see, God, he gives us good things, and what happens? We mess it up, and then we try to hide, and we try to hide our guilt, and we try to hide our shame. It's us hiding and God seeking over and over and over again. And Jesus came to do what? To seek and to save those who are lost. This is what he came to do. See, it all happens. We understand. This is what occurred in Genesis 3 is now we are going to be lost. We're going to be lost in our consequences, in the temptation, in the sin. We're going to be lost. And Jesus comes looking for us. Where are you? When we sin, even as a, as a Christ follower, our default is to hide, right? We hide. We, we make excuses and we call sin something else and we call, you know, we do that all the time. You know, we say, oh, it's just a bad choice or poor decision or we compare ourselves to other people and go, well, I'm really not that bad because you saw what they did and so I'm fine, everything's fine. But ultimately what we do is we hide from God. We're not sowing fig leaves, right? But hiding behind trees, but we run from God. We run from the things of God. We run from the people of God. We run from God's church, happens all the time we hide and God seeks where are you that's the gospel in Genesis where are you so I would ask you that today where are you where are you 
As the band comes back, um, they're about to lead us in a in response to, to God's word this morning. I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this, porch community. Um, because what I find in the gospel, it's almost like a it's so profound and yet so painful and, and so glorious all at the same time. It's all wrapped up. But what I find to be so true, and it starts here in Genesis 3, is that the gospel, the good news that Jesus came for us, it makes it very clear that, that we are much, much worse than we ever thought we were. That's what it does. It just It's like... Oh, you, you think you're good. You're not. You're not. You're, you're given into temptation, like left and right and all over the place. Like, this is what you're doing. Like, why? You're not as good as you think you are. The gospel makes it very clear that we are much, much worse than we ever thought we were, but we are much, much more loved than we ever thought we could be. And that's where you find the gospel. That's the good news. Because when you stop and realize, yes, I, I deserve that separation from God. I deserve those consequences for, for, for my sin. When we do all those things, we go, oh, we're, well, now what? I've got nothing. Then God says, no, 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 I'm going to give you everything. Jesus. I mean, Romans 6.23 says it. The wages of sin is death, but here's the good news of that. That the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. See, the same enemy that, that tempted Adam and Eve, and he does the same to us all the time. He tempts us to question God's goodness, to, to believe we're worthless, to believe that, that our lives have no meaning whatsoever, that Maybe God isn't that good at all. Maybe he made a giant mistake with me. We question this, that we're not worthy of, of forgiveness or redemption. And the truth is, apart from, from Christ, it's, there's truth there. But Jesus changes everything, changes everything. The good news is that there's that God has set all this in motion and he has proclaimed it to be good and we are created. We were created to live in harmony with him and so he seeks after us when we sin. We don't deserve it, but he does. And he gives us the free gift of Jesus to pay for those sins that we are tempted to commit. Hmm. All we have to do is turn and run to him. We run to the grace of God. And the promise in that is that we live eternally with him. We live with him. We are made brand new. So, porch community, I, I want you to, you know, we, we say this a lot, I think. It's like, hey, you know, think about what we're singing. Think about these lyrics. And I know you do. But let what we are about to, to hear and sing together be your prayer response to God. Let it be that response to him. When we're tempted, let's remember God's goodness. And when we fail, let's run to the grace of God because this is the gospel according to Genesis.